Let us pray. Lord, thank you for the Son this morning. Thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. We ask that you would open our ears, our hearts, and our minds to hear your Son challenge the authorities today. In your name we pray, amen. The 43-year-old president had big shoes to fill. John F. Kennedy's predecessor, Dwight D. Eisenhower, was a five-star general who served as supreme commander of the Allied forces during World War II. Well, most of you know this already. But lacking Eisenhower's military prowess and foreign policy experience, and eager to prove himself, JFK found himself caught in a crisis. In 1961, he buckled under pressure from the Joint Chiefs of Staff and authorized the Bay of Pigs invasion to topple the communist government in Cuba. The invasion was a fiasco. Kennedy had assumed incorrectly that the military and intelligence people have some secret skill not available to ordinary people. The following year, when the Soviet Union deployed missiles to, in Cuba, Kennedy had grown a backbone and learned not to blindly trust the Joint Chiefs. Pressured again by the military to act, he rejected the Joint Chiefs' plan for a full-scale air campaign to destroy the missile sites and opted instead for a far less intrusive blockade of the island. In response, the Soviets agreed to withdraw the missiles. Kennedy's willingness to question authority saved the world from war. Here's the problem today. Misinformation and pseudoscience thrive in an environment where our own critical thinking has diminished. When we outsource our civic responsibility to the authorities, when we leave it to them to draw conclusions, when we fail to exercise our critical thinking muscles, they wear down over time without an informed public willing to question confident claims, whatever their source, democracy decays. Authorities can be wrong, and disastrously so. It was a doctor who peddled the myth about the supposed link between autism and measles in a prestigious medical journal. And although the study turned out to be fraudulent, people continued to believe it. Neurologists used to believe lobotomies would cure disorders. Astronomers agreed that the universe was static. The experts cautioned that dietary fat causes heart disease, even though there was no evidence out there. In each of these cases and more, the authorities were the ones fooling themselves and, by extension, fooling others. Authorities are human and fallible. They're vulnerable to the same biases and conflicts of interest as the rest of us. Since they are experts in the current view of their field, they can reflexively dismiss unorthodox views and protect their ego at the expense of an objective search for the truth. Experts need maverick thinking to avoid tunnel vision, but they're often hostile to it. That's part of an essay written by Ozan Varel. He's a rocket scientist turned author, and he's one but one of many authors of late who make the case that society changes for the better when people challenge the experts, the authorities in all fields, 
of knowledge. <clears throat> That's the way things advance. It's how we eventually emerge from the ruts, you know, or the paradigms of seeing things one way. Now, as Lutheran Christians, we're, un we're usually uncomfortable with challenging the authorities, you know, because we want to be faithful to the Word of God, which teaches us to obey the authorities. They're here by God's design to maintain peace and order in a sinful world and help us figure things out. Even Luther in the small catechism explains the fourth commandment. Honor your father and mother. What does this mean, he asks. We should fear and love God so that we do not despise our parents and other authorities. Yeah, he says that. But honor them, serve and obey them, love and cherish them. And yet, wasn't it the good Dr. Martin Luther who challenged the authority of the Pope? JFK's challenge of the authority of the Joint Chiefs may have averted a nuclear war, but Martin Luther's challenge of the authority of the papacy changed the world. Answers that for centuries couldn't be questioned changed to questions that can't be answered. In other words, the Reformation made way for questioning and debating and challenging the experts of religion, government, education, and science, and all aspects of life. Now, not everyone thinks that's a good thing. Some would argue Luther's challenge of the authority of the Pope made way, made way for the era of the Enlightenment and modernism, which has damaged the Christian faith. Nevertheless, those things, you know, Christendom has endured those things and moves on. You know, even the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church, right? And faithful believers still receive forgiveness and the crown of life from Jesus, even in this chaotic, confusing, postmodern era. If there was ever a challenge of authority in the history of the world which preceded some world-changing event, then look no further than the one that occurs in our reading today from Matthew. Now, some of your English Bibles may even have a heading for the verses today which say something along the lines of, the authority of Jesus challenged. Mine does. Well, you heard that you heard that going on when it was read to you a moment ago, but there was something else going on there. Jesus challenges the authority of the Pharisees. More than that, he condemns the authority of the Pharisees. We get a glimpse here of how our God deals with religious authorities who fool themselves and in turn fool others. He doesn't like it. He challenges it. He condemns it. He does this so his truth and glory would be revealed and the faithful would receive blessing and glory in and through him. So let's look at the Pharisees' challenge of Jesus' authority for a minute. Jesus goes into the temple in Jerusalem. The Pharisees come to him there and ask him the question, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you the authority to do them? What are these things they're referring to? 
miracles. That's right. They're referring to the miracles that he was doing in the temple. Now, you know, we hear a lot about, if you read the four Gospels, we hear a lot of the miracles that Jesus performed kind of out in the streets, out in some of the villages, out in some of the rural areas. We don't hear about what he does in the temple except for this little bit here. They saw these things happening. The Pharisees saw these things. People were being healed. Blind people could now see and lame people could now walk. And yet the Pharisees continued to not believe he was from God. And they questioned his authority. But Jesus, knowing their hearts and minds, knowing that they will never believe, challenges their authority as the so-called experts of the Jewish faith, life, and society. They won't or can't even answer the question about John the Baptist. And notice the interaction. It wouldn't play out like this in our society today. When someone asks you a question and you respond with another question, they get offended, right? No, I asked you a question first. You answer me first, is what they're going to say, right? Because a question followed by another question seems deceitful and dishonest. But in Middle Eastern culture, debate is part of everyday discourse. That's why the Pharisees don't respond to Jesus' challenge with, don't, ask a uh, don't answer our question with another question. You know, we asked you first. They don't do that. They answer with, well, first they have their own little debate first, right? And then they answer with, we don't know. And they truly don't know. Their expertise, their self-perceived authority bears no fruit. This is shown in the scene just before this, and I'm going to read it to you. Because the lectioners who decided the reading for today, they left out the kind of backstory that sort of shows you what Jesus is talking about. So this is before Jesus goes into the temple for this scene with the Pharisees. In the morning, he went back to the city. Jesus was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it and found nothing on it but leaves. May no fruit ever grow on you again, Jesus said to it. And immediately the fig tree dried up. You know, it's like, like, you know, just pathetic, sad little tree just dries up. The disciples were amazed to see this. How did the fig tree dry up so quickly, they asked. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered them. If you believe and say to this mountain, oh, I'm sorry, if you believe and don't doubt, you will not only do what I did to the fig tree, but if you will say to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, it will be done. Anything you ask for in prayer, believe it and you will get it. Right after this, he goes into the temple and has another quarrel with the authorities. This, uh, that pathetic fig tree is an enacted prophecy which points to the judgment God visits upon the unfaithful in Jerusalem. The unfaithful, the Pharisees and their scribes and that other uh, unfaithful group or unfruitful group, the Sadducees. That shrunken, shriveled up tree is a little model of the temple that will be destroyed with all its empty sacrifices 
It's empty, unfruitful worship by those who've been fooled by the experts and every other misuse. That's the condemnation. Thanks be to Jesus. Even as he acts in judgment against fruitlessness, he also promises great blessing for faithfulness. Faith moves mountains and knows that its prayers are heard and answered by God. That's why he told his disciples that. I wonder. I wonder, sometimes do we, the church, acknowledge the authority of Jesus? I mean, do we really get it? Do we live by it? Do we live by it that Jesus is all in all, in all areas of our life, not just our Sunday church service? And when I say authority, I'm not just saying, you know, he's in charge of the universe and all that. Yeah, we know that. I'm saying the authority of his word. He doesn't have encouraging things to say about some human behaviors, you know, in case you haven't read it. Such as how you treat your neighbor, how you treat each other, how you treat yourself, what you do with other people. what you are to do in following him. Jesus went to church, you know. Well, you're here, so I'm preaching to the choir, aren't I? But since uh, the sin of not acknowledging and trusting and believing on and obeying the authority of Jesus, you know, the whole world stands in judgment of this. Even we Christians wrongly judge God. But he rightly judges us. Jesus willingly submitted to the authority of Herod, Caiaphas, who was in charge of this group we just heard about, and uh, Pontius Pilate. All these guys falsely accused Jesus and condemned him to die. And by his death and resurrection, which he enacted on his own authority won our salvation. Jesus has authority over nature. He can make it do what he wants, even when he wants for his purposes. He has authority over the entire human race, even when that authority is challenged. He has authority over you and me. His Spirit lives in us, changes us to love him and our neighbor as much as ourselves. He has the authority to forgive your sin and make it not count against you on the day of judgment. He has the authority to make creation new again with you in it and all the faithful living in blessed righteousness and peace for eternity. This he has promised and done for you and me. May he give you grace to always submit to his authority for it comes from heaven and so can lead us there where we will reign with him forever. Amen.